Welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Podcast. In this episode, we're going over more supplements. So we're going to be reviewing citrulline and arginine and which one is better. Uh, Beta-alanine, caffeine, all these different pre-workout ingredients, uh, carnitine, and then some other health food type supplements. So multivitamins, greens, fish oil, coenzyme 10 or CoQ10, however you prefer to pronounce it all kinds of stuff, and then after we finish this week, I will be uh, finishing up the show notes, making sure all the links are good to go, and posting them in the coming days, and that's for both last week's and this week's episodes, so everything is all together in one, so you can just kind of go there as your new one-stop shop for supplement resources. So diving right in here to citrulline and arginine, basically both of these uh, ingredients that you'll see on supplement labels play a role in what is called the nitric oxide cycle. And this is how your body produces this substance called nitric oxide to cause vasodilation. So this is where your blood vessels will relax, the muscles lining your blood vessels relax, And this relaxation causes the vessels to expand in diameter. So increased diameter means it's easier for your heart to pump blood across your body, to your muscles, wherever. So uh, at lower blood pressures, you'll see higher blood flow, which is advantageous for exercise because this is what will cause what we like to call the pump. And if you're into bodybuilding or maybe even weightlifting or anything along those lines, you know that the pump is this precious thing that it seems like everyone is chasing and cannot get enough of. So these substances can both help to uh, obtain that muscle pump, the uh, blood flow uh, engulfing and engorging all the tissues. So both are good and both are very commonly seen in pre-workouts, but citrulline has been found to be better time and time again in studies. So arginine as an amino acid actually gets turned into citrulline later in the cycle. So by putting straight citrulline in your body, you're skipping all the uh, steps to get there. And what you'll find is although the body tries to be as efficient as it can, it's relatively inefficient at a lot of things that it does. So a lot gets sent off as waste. So we talked about the bioavailability of protein and how it makes sense to consume proteins that are highly bioavailable, that your body's going to absorb the most of. So why would you not do the same when you're talking about nitric oxide and pre-workout type ingredients? So my recommendation is to go with the citrulline over the arginine. Now, with that said, there's two types of citrulline. There's L-citrulline, or just pretty much straight citrulline, or citrulline malate. And of these two, I actually prefer um, citrulline malate. And the reason for that is that malate that is uh, binded to the citrulline is actually really important for energy production. So uh, malic acid, uh, you may have heard that being involved in the uh, process of cellular respiration, which is how we produce our energy. So 
having that citrulline malate is going to give you the same effect as citrulline, but you're actually going to see an increase in other factors as well, such as potentially increased physical stamina because you're adding what your body needs to produce energy. So the price is comparable between the two. They're almost identical. And again, they're still going to produce that vasodilation effect. It's just the malate that is binded to the citrulline and citrulline malate is going to give you a slight edge in some other variables as well. And because of that, and because we're looking for all the performance gain we can get out of a pre-workout supplement, uh, that's my personal recommendation, citrulline malate. Another interesting one is beta alanine. And this is actually very interesting. It's kind of like a buffering system for your muscles. So we talked about HMB in a similar sense that HMB is kind of like the ozone layer and it prevents muscle breakdown and muscle loss. We talked about that in our first supplement uh, episode last week. Beta alanine is similar. But this is going to be more for the exercise effects. So things like lactate and lactic acid. So beta alanine acts to prevent them from building up at the muscle site to help limit and prevent fatigue, which is a good thing. One issue I've seen with beta alanine is people can over, well, I wouldn't call it overdose, but they take a little more than they should for their first time. This stuff can be very potent and it can really hit you if you're not ready for it. So this is the ingredient in pre-workouts that will cause shaking and jittering and all those other flushing-like symptoms, getting really hot and sweaty and shaky. And that is something that a little bit of can be helpful, but for most people, too much of that, you're going to see a total shutdown physically. Uh, You might be able to still work out, but I'm telling you, it's, it's gonna be limited. You want a little bit, but not too much. So this is where the biohacking concept of assessing your individuality and individual variability comes in. All of our bodies have different receptors, receptor subtypes. We're all built very differently on a physiological scale. So before you just assume that your friend takes five grams of beta alanine before he works out or she works out, then you should too. Before you assume that and jump right into that, assess it, ease into it. Start with a gram, maybe two grams. And that might not seem like a mud, a whole lot, but I've seen people take less than a gram before and they're shaking and tingling uncontrollably and they just kind of tap out of their workout as a result. They say, you know, I can't take this. So assess your tolerance with it. If you uh, find that dosage that works just right for you, Uh, For me, it's usually about a gram. Not much, but not just, you know, it's more than just a little sprinkle too. So for me, that works well. And this is a very effective supplement. I actually like this more than caffeine. Now, caffeine has been researched significantly more, but I really like beta alanine. And I think there's a lot of potential and power with a combination of citrulline malate and beta alanine because you're hitting the vasodilation effect, you're hitting the energy production effect, and you're hitting the muscle uh, buffering effect, which will help to prevent fatigue. So you might be able to get a couple extra reps in 
Uh, you might feel a little stronger, that sort of thing. Uh, central nervous system, excitability. So as far as I'm concerned, these two are great. Caffeine. Caffeine is obviously one of the most used and most abused drugs that we have. And I say drug because, yes, caffeine is a very potent stimulant. And although caffeine has been very widely studied and very well accepted as a good thing, and many people just use the classic cup of coffee before they work out, and that gives them all the energy they need if they weren't feeling energetic before. And I am here for caffeine. I think it's good. However, I don't think it's good for everyone. And here's why. There is no research on specific pre-workout formulations. Everyone looks at the ingredients in isolation. So we look at the effects of carnitine supplementation. We look at the effects of beta-alanine supplementation, of citrulline supplementation, of caffeine supplementation. We never look at all of them combined. So these pre-workout formulations, they're usually just kind of guessing and guesstimating. Now, we said before, citrulline malate is a vasodilator. Caffeine as a stimulant is going to activate your sympathetic nervous system branch, that fight or flight mode. I think I talked about this in the neuroscience podcast a while back. So as a result, you're going to see vasoconstriction of your blood vessels. So we're sending a start-stop signal to our blood vessels now. The caffeine is telling our blood vessels to vasoconstrict. The uh, citrulline or arginine, whichever you prefer, and exercise itself will be sending a vasodilation effect to the blood vessels. So my question is, which one wins? Does the citrulline win out and cause vasodilation? Or does the caffeine win out and cause vasoconstriction? Obviously, your blood vessels do vasodilate in response to exercise, so the vasodilation wins, but what effect does this have other than what we're seeing? So if I'm working my arms and I'm doing bicep curls, obviously I'm going to see vasodilation of the arms, but what effect is the caffeine having? Because, again, we're seeing that smooth muscle relaxation Uh, in the blood vessels, which is causing that increased blood flow. It's causing that engulfing of blood by the muscles, so much blood flow to that region. And that's what causes that pump. But what effect is that stop signal having? Not only there, but what about everywhere else? And is there a certain dosage of caffeine that is ideal for a certain dosage of citrulline? Is there some kind of ratio? There's more questions than answers here. And unfortunately, I can't give you all the answers because science hasn't found them yet. You can literally scour the internet for actual research behind pre-workout formulas, and they all look at the ingredients in isolation. Why not look at them in combination? If you're listening to the podcast and you're an exercise science major or nutrition major or someone along those lines, please reach out to me because this would be a phenomenal uh, research study and I would love to help you get it going and get it set up. But in the meantime, a lot of these pre-workouts do use the caffeine and the citrulline and the beta-alanine and most people do not have any issues. 
If you do want to puzzle your doctor or whoever you go to for healthcare providence, uh, please just ask them. Just be like, so I'm thinking about taking a pre-workout before I work out. What do you recommend? Just talk to them about it and see what they say and uh, all that way. Um, for other effects, caffeine also in addition to the sympathetic nervous system activation and the vasoconstriction, it does cause bronchodilation. So this is going to dilate your airways, which would likely uh, make it easier to breathe. Now, that's a good thing, especially if you're in the aerobic uh, and endurance kind of training group and population. If you're into endurance training, then you're probably looking right at caffeine right now. However, there's one caveat in activating um, some of the different pathways and all that in the body. I don't want to get too lost in it right now. It also causes muscular contraction of the GI tract. So this is where you'll probably hear people talk about they have their morning cup of coffee and then half an hour later they have to go to the bathroom and they spend five minutes on the toilet pooping or whatever that way. Uh, this is the other side effect of caffeine is it stimulates the GI tract. So for some people, they like that before they work out because they drink their caffeine, they get that in, and then they get everything else out of their system. And then they're five pounds lighter and ready to tackle the workout and tackle the day. And again, some people like that and that's good for them. Other people don't like that and it can cause some issues. Some people can't tolerate caffeine at all. And that's perfectly okay. Um, with all of these things I'm talking about, there's obviously some individual preference uh, to be going with this. And caffeine, as I'm talking about this, you're probably seeing it's a very gray area. And I hope I'm not losing you uh, talking about all these different things and going off on these little tangents here and there. But as far as I've talked about uh, so far, Citrulline, arginine, thumbs up. Beta alanine, thumbs up. Caffeine, for most people, it's going to be a thumbs up. But again, there's still certain people that you want to, you know, assess your own tolerance and assess where you're at. And this is true for everything. You might not need eight grams of citrulline in order to see vasodilation. You might be able to see effects with two grams. So take two grams. Uh, with caffeine, again, look for that sweet spot for you, if you even need it. And with that, play around with the dosage. So how many milligrams of caffeine you've taken on your whole day. Uh, and then look at how much is before you work out, how much is after. And look at the effects as you manipulate your caffeine dosage with the effects of the citrulline or other vasodilator that you're taking. So... If you're consuming one cup of coffee before you work out, and that's 80 to 100 milligrams of caffeine on average, and you're consuming two or three grams of citrulline, think about how you feel, how your workout was, think about how much vasodilation or pump you uh, achieved if you're after that, and write those things down and kind of keep track, and you'll be able to find out for yourself where your optimal doses are and optimal ratios are. And although this won't be a scientifically proven research published paper, it's effectively you doing your own case study or trial 
on yourself to determine what works best for you. And with all these supplements, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, but if not, experiment. Try things out because you're going to find that some things work really well for you and some things do not. And this all comes back to everyone being built differently, different physiology, different anatomy. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but we really are different. And I can assure you of that after my cadaver lab where we had 10 different cadavers and no two cadavers were the same. No two were identical. I can assure you of that. So play around with it. And if you need help with that, as always, I'm here. So next, we're moving on to carnitine. So carnitine is a interesting amino acid, and it's found very prevalent in red meat, especially. Uh, And this is actually part of the reason red meat gets a bad rep um, by some individuals in the health and fitness and science community. Uh, Carnitine itself is very difficult to understand, but I'm going to do my best to simplify it for you. Essentially, carnitine helps to mobilize free fatty acids and fatty acids in your body. So in other words, it breaks down fat and helps get it into your cells to use for energy because mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell and cells make up everything, your muscles, uh, your bones, everything. So when you're moving, when you're walking, your cells need to produce ATP and they're going to do that by using up either stored fat or glucose, so sugar, from foods that you have just eaten. Um, So in that sense, it seems like a good thing. Now, here's the catch. In multiple, mostly animal studies, there's been some non-animal studies, but mostly animal studies, uh, multiple studies show that carnitine, which again, abundant in red meat, accelerates atherosclerosis development, which if you haven't heard of atherosclerosis before, it's essentially the um, filling of your blood vessels and arterials, uh, artery pathways with fat and plaque and all of these other bad things. Um, So that would lead to cardiovascular disease, um, uh, myocardial ischemia, and all kind, potentially infarction eventually, all kinds of bad things. Um, and it does this through the activation of the trimethylamine, um, pa- not pathway, formation. Um, it forms trimethylamine in a um, multi-step pathway. That's what it is. I apologize. As I said, I'm trying to uh, simplify this as much as I can. Essentially, when carnitine is in the gut, you see trimethylamine formed, and it gets converted to TMAO in the liver, which as a result is going to decrease what we call RCT and cause bile acid synthesis, which is the proposed mechanism for um, atherosclerosis formation. Uh, So basically, carnitine uh, goes in the gut and then becomes TMA, TMAO to atherosclerosis. So this was something that I supplemented with for quite some time, and I really liked supplementing with it. 
Um, I had a lot of benefits from it. I felt more energetic. I felt like I looked better and a little more lean. And overall, I just really enjoyed the supplement and the effects that it was providing for me. However, some of these different things about TMA and TMAO concern me. Uh, And it's concerned me to the point where I've stopped taking it. Um, So I eat a lot of red meat as it is. And I know my red meat is very high quality. It's mostly actually pretty much all grass-fed, grass-finished beef. Uh, Most of the time it's organic on top of that. Most grass-fed beef will be organic. Um, Just kind of how it falls, thankfully. So it's very high-quality stuff. The supplements, when you're getting carnitine, it's not usually going to be from natural grass-fed sources. And as we've discussed, there's a difference between naturally sourced and artificially sourced um, ingredients. So naturally sourced, so natural carnitine and red meat, for example, your body has to break down and digest the red meat and extract the carnitine from it. That's what your body's built to do. Your body is not built to take the carnitine in isolation. So that's why when I was talking about some of the different supplements in the last episode, so the casein, the collagen, I said I mix it all into a smoothie. So my body is used to pulling nutrients out of food. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to combine my supplement with something that involves digestion, so eating and drinking. Uh, And as a result... I feel like I get more out of it personally, and this is me going back to that whole self-experimentation thing. This is what works for me. Maybe it works for you. Maybe something different works for you. Um, But that TMAO pathway does concern me. Uh, TMAO can lead to atherosclerosis, which we talked about, which can lead to myocardial ischemia and infarction. But it can also cause other things like diabetes and metabolic syndrome. So although I know some of you are listening and probably thinking, but I love carnitine, this, that, the other thing, but you're a huge proponent of, you know, meats and all that. And yes, I am a huge proponent of eating high quality meat. But again, there is a difference between high quality meat and the lab-based supplement that you're getting over the counter. There is a huge difference. Uh, So for right now, I'm sticking with no carnitine from my standpoint. And you can disagree with me on this. If you want to debate me, that is perfectly okay. I'm down for that any day. But I'm just giving you my take on the literature and the research. So we've gone through the citrulline and arginine, beta-alanine, caffeine, carnitine. Now we're going to hit one more very popular uh, fat loss, fat burning type supplement. And this is called CLA or conjugated lineolic acid. Now this one is another one that you look at the claims and it seems very um, like something great. Like, yes, this is a good supplement. I need to take more of this. Essentially, um, CLA is fat, and we find it also in animal products, typically meats and dairies. Uh, and essentially, <clears throat> excuse me, CLA is a omega-6 fatty acid. 
So it's polyunsaturated, but as we talk about um, omega-6 fatty acids, we know they're usually not as healthy. They're usually pro-inflammatory. Um, in this case, CLA is actually considered a trans fat. It's a natural trans fat, though, so we're not as concerned about uh, this one's health and effects on the body that way. The supplement comes from, um, as I was saying, beef and dairy specifically, uh, so mostly cow sources. And what we're looking at here is those high-quality sources again. You want grass-fed, um, organic if possible. So there was one study that looked at the content of conjugated linoleic acid, CLA, in grass-fed beef versus grain-fed beef. And they found that grass-fed cows have over 300 times the CLA content of grain-fed cows. So grain-fed being your typical feedlot, most stuff you get at the grocery store. Um, so that's all well and good. However, um, the supplement you're getting over the counter is not the same. So they make CLA by chemically altering linoleic acid. So linoleic acid is found in vegetable oil. So as a result, the CLA supplement is not going to do and give you the same things that the CLA from natural sources will. Um, so if you have a high intake of grass-fed beef, grass-fed dairy, all of these good things, you're probably going to be okay. The supplement, again, not as good. Um, they have done different randomized clinical uh, controlled tr uh, trials in humans, and they're very mixed. So some studies showed good results. Some studies showed no effect. Some found poor results. Now, obviously, the exact um, study, like methods and all of that, when you're looking at a lot of literature, it's hard to break down the exact methods for each individual one and keep tabs on all of them. Um, but there was one review here that stuck out to me. Uh, here it is right here. So in this one, they looked at 18 controlled trials. So this is called the effect of conjugated linoleic acid for reducing fat mass, a meta-analysis in humans. And this one, it might be a little dated. It's from 2007. Um, but basically what they found is that effects of CLA are going to be the most pronounced in the first six months of supplementation. And then afterwards, it's kind of a plateau effect. So what they're looking at is um, the average amount of fat loss in the um, six-week time period. What they found is CLA causes an average fat loss of about 0.2 pounds per week for the first six months. Um, and overall, CLA caused an extra three pounds more weight loss. Uh, this was a separate review, I'm sorry. Uh, this separate review looked at the long-term effect of CLA, and they compared CLA to a placebo, so a sugar pill, and they looked at six-month duration. And they found that CLA caused three pounds more of weight loss than the sugar pill, the placebo. 
And what's interesting to me about that is it's only three pounds. Like, I don't know how big the sugar pill was, but anytime you give sugar to someone and cause an insulin response, you're likely going to see increased fat storage and increased weight, all of those different things, especially when you're comparing it to something that's going to cause weight loss. And the fact that one group was given something that would essentially cause gain and the other was going to give uh, receive something that would essentially cause loss of weight and the difference is only three pounds, to me, that doesn't seem like anything too um, good. You know, it's not like wowing me by any means. And going back again to the meta-analysis, 0.2 pounds per week. So that would say in five weeks, you lose one additional pound. So let's assume you're spending... $15 per month on CLA. Is that $15 going to be worth losing one pound of body weight? When I can assure you that you can lose more than that faster and safer with a more proven method uh, through exercise and diet and uh, proper nutrition. Um, Excuse me. You might actually save money doing that. And if you don't believe me, please sign up for one of our consultations because you'd be amazed at what optimizing your body and your health and fitness can do for you, not just you, but your budget and your bank account as well. Because a lot of times people go to the store, buy things that aren't necessarily as healthy, this or that, and you end up spending more. And, you know, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, how do I afford to eat all these high quality meats and stuff? And I say, well, one, refer back to my podcast episode on grocery store hacks. And two, lately I've been mixing in uh, black beans with pretty much everything. I get a can of organic black beans. It's like 15, 16 ounces. And I think it's like a dollar for the can. And all of a sudden I you know, I'll throw that in with chicken or beef or whatever. And my yield doubles. You know, if I put a pound of beef in and a pound of black beans, I'm going to get two pounds out. So I get a lot more volume of high quality stuff. Uh, Black beans were one of Dr. William Lee's favorite uh, foods there in his book, Eat to Beat Disease. So little hacks like that. So please consider, uh, booking a consultation and discussing some of these things uh, with me just to help not only help our business and support our business, but to help you and save you more money moving forward. Um, So a little side note there, but back to CLA, would not recommend. Um, And again, we talked about that. And uh, again, overall, I would focus on getting the natural sources from grass-fed beef, the higher quality areas. Um, There's also other evidence. I'll touch on these real quick. I don't want to bore you too much. Uh, There's some studies in mice and other animals that point uh, to CLA causing fatty liver and metabolic syndrome, diabetes. And then they also have some studies in humans that show CLA increases inflammation levels, causes insulin resistance, and lowers your HDL cholesterol, which is not good. 
other studies showed mild to moderate side effects, including diarrhea, which if I'm taking a supplement that's supposed to better my health, I'm sorry, but I don't want diarrhea as a side effect. Um, so, so far, the thumbs down for carnitine and CLA. And again, these are both supplements that are typically marketed for fat loss and weight loss. And in reality, we don't have a whole lot of solid proof behind them. And I'm not going to stereotype, I'm not usually one to do that, but in general, most fat loss supplements fall under that category. And your best form of fat loss, like I just said, is going to be diet or dietary changes and exercise. Again, if you need help with either of those things, I'm right here. So we've went over those. Now let's get into the what I'll call the life extension, general health, and well-being type stuff. So first we have multivitamins. And you probably saw me share a thing on my story yesterday about these. Um, check out who the companies are owned by, the common um, multivitamin and other vitamin companies like uh, one a day. Just check out who they're owned by at your leisure. Um, I find it interesting personally. Um, but a lot of these multivitamins are artificial vitamins or synthetic uh, vitamins. And, well, they're not the same um, as natural vitamins. So your body, as I said before, is meant to take nutrients like vitamins from food. So you obtain natural nutrients and natural vitamins from whole food sources. The most multivitamins on the market are synthetic. So they make these vitamins artificially in a lab and they are represented in different forms that match that. Um, now, here's the thing. We don't know how these synthetic vitamins are absorbed in the body. We don't know. There is literally research and evidence that says we have no idea. Uh, so the study I'm looking at right now is by Yetli, uh, multivitamin and multimineral dietary supplements, uh, definitions, characterization, uh, bioavailability, drug interaction, that sort of thing. Um, so basically what this article says is the labels can be very uh, off, inaccurate, mislabeled, and we don't really know how the body... Uh, takes these things in. There's a lot of limited information. And what they're saying is basically the marketing claims for multivitamins do not match the uh, actual evidence. Now, personally, I like to go with what I call nature's multivitamins, which would be things like fruit and vegetables, eggs, specifically grass-fed eggs, um, beans, uh, fatty fish, um, that sort of thing, uh, grass-fed beef. So those are all great things. Um, going back to multivitamins, there's a lot of research out there about their use and correlation with other diseases. So there's some studies that say, hey, multivitamin use lowers your risk of heart disease. Other studies say multivitamins have no effect on heart disease. Others still say multivitamins increase your risk of heart disease. A lot of studies 
link multivitamin use to increased risk of cancer. Uh, that, to me, is rather concerning. So when it comes to multivitamins, if you're using a cheap store-bought, store-brand, artificial, over-the-counter type stuff, I would recommend discussing it with your doctor. I'm not a fan of them. I cut my multivitamin many years ago after it being the first supplement I was ever taking. You know, those classic Flintstones multivitamins that we all took as a kid and they tasted amazing, even though they had artificial everything in them. Um, I did look, they, I'm pretty sure they had aspartame, which was one of those really bad artificial sweeteners I talked about last week that was linked to causing cancer. So maybe that's where those studies were coming from was not the vitamins themselves, but all the other things in it. Um, but in general, if you're going to take a multivitamin, get a whole food, holistic-based multivitamin. And if you don't want to do that, because they tend to be rather absurd in cost, then alter your diet and your cooking preparations. So again, include things like whole eggs, especially the yolk. The yolk is going to be your source of nutrients. Start adding different fruits and vegetables, add beans to uh, different things, different dishes, uh, use those higher quality meats, um, grass-fed beef, grass-fed butter, grass-fed milk. They, those three uh, grass-fed animal-type foods are some of the most nutrient-dense you'll find, and it's very easy to pair them together. Uh, so, for example, for dinner tonight, I'm going to have a 8-ounce grass-fed steak, and when I cook it, I'm going to put a slab of grass-fed butter over top, and I'm going to follow it with a smoothie. And guess what I'm going to make the smoothie with? Grass-fed milk. So that's a huge trio there. And I have my uh, free-range eggs from a local farm for lunch. And that will provide all that I need and then some. Now, with that, uh, there's these other things I keep seeing uh, trending called these like green supplements and superfood supplements and that sort of thing. Um, super greens, green powder, whatever you'd like to call it. Um, and these are interesting. Um, basically, they contain a lot of different um, things. They all vary by the exact brand. Uh, so common things I see in them, spinach, kale, parsley, spirulina, uh, uh, chlorella, I'm sorry, I was stumbling on that one there, kelp, uh, parsley, different vegetables like broccoli, beets, carrots, cabbage, tomatoes, different grasses, so like wheatgrass, oatgrass, alfalfa, barley, uh, different berries sometimes, so goji, acai, raspberry, blueberry, uh, green tea extract, or grapeseed, or um, different probiotics, digestive enzymes like amylase or cellulase or lipase or protease. Um, I've seen herbal ones with milk thistle, basil, that sort of thing. Um, mushroom extracts like shiitake. Most of them have some kind of stevia or monk fruit uh, sweetener. And most have some kind of fiber, whether it be inulin-based or something else. Um, basically, a lot of these are marketed as this is one that you should consider taking, right? Um, however, um, it depends, in short. 
Um, so there's a lot of different ones on here. I'm going to talk specifically about the greens, although I'll try and touch on the other uh, like reds or I've even seen some golden ones now based in uh, turmeric, which if I touch on those and go down that road, uh, bear with me. But specifically the greens and the green powders. If you're eating a healthy diet to begin with and you're getting multiple servings of organic fruits and vegetables throughout your day, odds are you're probably not going to see much benefit from adding any of these supplements, greens, reds, whatever, because you're going to be getting a lot of these nutrients already. So if I'm eating wild blue, if I'm consuming wild blueberries in my smoothie, organic banana, if I'm consuming spinach, organic spinach with my omelet, if I'm getting in other different um, things there, so like sweet potato maybe, um, it's very easy to see how if you eat healthy to begin with, you can be getting a lot of these different nutrients already. And as a result, you're not going to see much benefit from it. However, uh, there's times when you might not be eating all that healthy. And that's where a supplement like this would come in handy. Now, the key here is supplement. Something to add to your diet. You don't want this to replace your fruit and vegetable intake. That's not what it's intended to do. Uh, additionally, you're also going to want to pay attention to the dosages and the serving sizes because what many will do is in order to make their supplement cheaper, they'll give you a smaller serving size than someone else. You want a decent sized serving because you have to consider how many different fruits and vegetables are in here. You know, there's a lot going on here and consider how much you would normally eat. Consider the size of a normal salad. You know, if you filled that with different vegetables and fruits even, like there's a lot in there. So make sure that the serving you're getting is going to match what you could potentially be eating. I've noticed personally that I tend to do better with the different mushroom blends because as I told you, I do consume a green supplement every day. Um, the one I use has more different mushrooms and that sort of thing in it and some of the different green uh, things that are a little less common. Um, so like I don't really eat much broccoli. I just don't really like broccoli. Um, and broccoli happens to be one of the main ingredients in this one. Uh, so I like that. And like I said, the mushrooms because I'm personally not a big mushroom uh, guy. Don't really like them. So it's nice for me to be able to get the benefits of eating some of the mushrooms, like um, lion's mane is a big one I really like, uh, shiitake is another one. Um, I can get the benefits of those without having to suffer through eating them. Um, maybe I just haven't had them prepared correctly, but yeah, not a huge fan. So I can get those benefits. Um, I also notice because there's digestive enzymes as well that I tend to wake up a little bit leaner. I don't feel as bloated, which it kind of counteracts the bloating effect of the casein uh, protein that I consume for me. Um, I don't know if that works for anyone else or if anyone's tried that. Highly recommend looking into that. Uh, one thing I will touch on real quick with all these different green powders is they talk about detoxification. And their claim is that they make the body more alkaline. 
However, here's one thing you have to consider. So alkalinity versus acidity is going to be referring to your blood pH, correct? So ideally, your blood pH is 7.35 to 7.45. So on that 0 to 14 scale, that's slightly alkaline. So you wouldn't want to be altering your blood pH. So however, um, when they say alkalinity, they typically refer to, uh, these companies anyways, refer to the pH of your urine. So it makes your uh, pee more alkaline. And that's something we've known. I mean, think about like eating asparagus or something like that. And there's animal studies that show that alkaline urine can help get rid of toxins. We have yet to prove that in humans. Um, Now, maybe it does, and we just haven't figured it out yet, but maybe it doesn't. Uh, So the whole alkalinity claim, it's not having any effect on your blood. It might be impacting uh, your urine, but just take that one with a grain of salt. Um, And the last two we're going to touch on real quick is fish oil and uh, CoQ10. And I'm going to try and touch on these quick because, as usual, I've been uh, rambling for quite a bit. Fish oil. Uh, I'm going to give this one the thumbs up if it's a high-quality source. Uh, We do show a lot of benefits to omega-3 fat supplementation, uh, potentially increasing good cholesterol levels, so HDL cholesterol. Um, And this is one that doctors might even recommend to people who want to improve their cholesterol scores. It can help lower triglyceride levels. Multiple studies have shown that. Uh, Some studies even show that it helps to prevent plaque from forming on your arteries, so it would help to prevent atherosclerosis. Uh, It actually helps reduce blood pressure in some people too. Uh, Some studies have tied it with weight loss um, because they look at it with obesity. Um, You'll potentially see a slight uh, anti-inflammatory effect from it um, because fish itself is anti-inflammatory. So they would assume that fish oil is as well. Um, Healthy skin and hair. um, So typically... When it comes to skin health, we think of higher quality fats being good. So things like avocado, things like those grass-fed meats, all these things that a lot of people tend to cut from their diet um, are actually very good for your skin. Um, It's mostly omega-3 fat, a lot of it. So with that said, consuming more, probably a good thing. Um, There's many other benefits too. different things in children, different mental and cognitive benefits. Um, A lot of them, you know, we've got a few studies on them, but we're not 100% like there yet, I think. We're looking at correlational type stuff, but not necessarily causational, if that makes sense. The biggest issue I see with fish oil, and this is its fatal flaw, there is a huge uh, range of quality. 
So what you get at the grocery store is going to be very different from uh, what you could get online, which is going to be very different from, um, you know, you get the works. But basically, when it comes to fish oil, highly recommend checking on Labdoor or another um, lab site and looking at their quality scores and going for the higher uh, graded ones. A lot of the common brands, and again, I'm not going to get into specific brands and wage war there, uh, but a lot of them score lower. And it's, you know, the labels are usually accurate. Nutritional value is there, but typically where they fail is the purity and safety. And the reason for that is usually uh, mercury levels or something similar. So, Make sure you check before you buy because there's some that are marketed as higher quality and are more expensive as a result. And in reality, they might be doing more harm than good. Um, I believe you'll, du- you'll have to double check me on this. I'll try and pull it up real quick. But I believe Trader Joe's actually had a fairly high quality one um their label here it is i pulled it up here their label was not considered accurate this is all stuff you can find on labdoor i will link to it in the show notes uh their label accuracy was poor but everything else checked out very well um mercury level was one part per billion which they recommend no more than a hundred so that's a pretty good score. Um, I unfortunately do not have a Trader Joe's near me, um, but yeah. So highly recommend looking into it just to make sure you're not consuming more harmful ingredients than good ingredients, uh, especially with the mercury. And this is another one too, that if your diet is rich in fatty fish, uh, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, for example, you're probably not going to need extra supplementation. You're probably going to be doing just fine. Um, Fish is actually one of the areas that I've been trying to expand in more and more. Uh, It is kind of a challenge for me living in central Pennsylvania right now. Uh, It'd be a lot easier if I was closer to a lake or uh, the ocean, I feel. But we're doing our best and making do. Uh, My personal favorite is mahi-mahi. So if you ever have a chance to try some of that, highly recommend. Uh, So CoQ10 or coenzyme 10. Uh, This is a supplement that's commonly given in low doses for heart health. Um, So different conditions like heart disease, brain disorders, diabetes, that sort of thing. What we aren't sure of is do low levels of CoQ10 cause those diseases or do those diseases result from low levels of CoQ10? We don't know. But what we do know is CoQ10 is good. It's found in the mitochondria of your cells and um, CoQ10 production um, by your mitochondria is going to decrease as you age. So adding in more just kind of makes sense. 
Um, this is involved in the production of ATP, which is your energy source. Um, so there's studies that link CoQ10 with improved fertility because fertility uh, typically declines with age. Uh, there's some evidence linking it to potential um, headache reduction. So if you experience headaches, a um, couple of them, and reason for that is alteration of free radicals and antioxidants. So the mitochondria, um, mitochondrial dysfunction is a cause for a lot of different things. Uh, I will hopefully be able to break that down for you in a separate episode, but before I go down AMP-K and PGC1-alpha and mitochondrial dysfunction and really lose you and bore you with another half hour here, uh, we're just going to table that for another thing for later. Um, but could help reduce headaches, helps uh, with skin health. Some studies even linked it to uh, improved exercise performance due to similar effects of uh, comparable to beta alanine. So how it decreases oxidative stress and kind of acts as a buffering system, so to speak. Um, can help with diabetes, uh, good for the brain, good for the heart and the lungs. Um, so overall, CoQ10 looks like something that is a good thing. Um, however, there are two different forms. And I'm going to butcher these pronunci pronunciations and I apologize. Um, you ubiquinol, U-B-I-Q-U-I-N-O-L. That's the one you want. That is, I uh, think, like 85 or 95% of the uh, CoQ10 in your body and your blood is that form. And that is the most absorbable form. So that's usually the one that we recommend going with. Um, as far as exact dosage, uh, they range in the research, some say 90 milligrams, some say 500. Uh, that's one, just, you know, confirm with your doctor about that uh, before you dive into it. Um, there's even one study I got here. Um, this is from 2002. Uh, this was effects of CoQ10 in early Parkinsonian disease. And they were looking at how it impacted uh functional decline. And they took 1,200 milligrams per day. Um, now, again, here's where research is flawed is that's a cool finding, but it's only going to apply to people with um, Parkinson's disease. You can't apply that to a healthier population. Um, now, if you're like me and you're like, okay, I'd prefer to get the benefits, but not necessarily uh, take the supplement, what can I do? Um, CoQ10 is very potent in organ meats. Uh, that's not a road I've ventured down yet, but am heavily considering. Uh, so especially heart, which makes sense since it's good for your heart. Um, fatty fish, so going back to salmon, um, trout, probably sardines too. They tend to be pretty fatty. Um, pistachios, spinach, um, different legumes, that sort of thing. Uh, so you can look at the alternative sources for CoQ10 and not just the supplement if that's something you're interested in. 
Personally, I like to go for the natural route before I go the supplement route, before I spend extra money, before I put something in my body that's questionable. I want to get the natural stuff. And I know you're listening to this and I've talked about all these different supplements and I've said how I take a lot of different ones. And you're probably like, okay, so why do you need all these different ones? Um, and I'll explain that real quick. So my rationale for every supplement that I take. Vitamin D, not taken every day. I take vitamin D when it's poor weather out and I cannot get in the sunlight or in the winter. And the reason for that is vitamin D deficiency is very common. And if I can't get sunlight, I know I'm not going to get enough. So I would rather get it from a supplement than not get enough. So vitamin D, simple. Um, the greens I already touched on. I don't get a whole lot of mushroom powders or mushrooms. And I don't get a whole wide range of vegetables. Well, I get a wide range of vegetables, but it's not the I'm missing some different things like the broccoli example or kale um, I cannot bring myself to eat kale um, so those sort of things so filling in those voids um, beetroot powder I like beetroot powder for its nitric oxide benefits so it's essentially a mirror to citrulline and arginine so beetroot powder natural form of citrulline and arginine Citrulline and arginine would be the artificial form coming from a lab. And I would use that as part of a pre-workout, something before I work out, uh, just to help bring about those effects. Beta alanine, um, and I usually do about 100 milligrams of caffeine in my powder. Um, I do bulk powders from the internet because it's cheaper and they're unflavored. So you just kind of mix them in water and it can add a little chalkiness to it but usually it mixes pretty well so it's just like drinking water and you just get it down and soak up the benefits um collagen protein i think i talked about that more last week uh so much of your body is made of collagen that it just makes sense to get as much of it as you can and while i say i you know eat a lot of grass-fed meats and that sort of thing there is still the occasional one or two days a week where I don't eat as many grass-fed meats. I'm a college student. You know, I live life a little bit sometimes. So that just kind of helps to fill in that gap. Um, whey and casein, that blend of protein, that um, fast-absorbing whey with the trickle feed of casein has really helped me uh, bring my physique and strength to a new level. And again, I've noticed a lot of benefits of that with the intermittent fasting I do, especially the case in there. Uh, creatine monohydrate, I talked about that last week, and basically I think almost everyone should take creatine monohydrate. Um, there's not a whole lot of reasons not to take creatine monohydrate. So there's that. I'm trying to think. Um, only two I missed our organic cacao, which that's another one of the superfoods that I touched on in multiple podcast episodes. So I'm not going to bore you with that. And uh, organic turmeric, which same thing. Um, I touched on that in my first ever podcast episode. And I touched on it on the podcast episode I did kind of reviewing that first podcast 
Um, there was about biohacking the immune system and then a review of it, kind of what I was doing to prepare for a fall semester back in person at school. And those both made the list. I don't think I'm missing anything else, but if I am, I'll be sure to fill it in in the show notes. So with that, thank you so much for listening to another lengthy episode of the Brawn Body Podcast and pushing through all these different supplements with me together. Uh, If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend and let them know what we're doing. Please feel free to give us a follow on social media at Brawn Body, Brawn with a W. And stay tuned because we have all kinds of exciting things coming. Website updates, our first ever pre-built program that will soon be released for you to be able to purchase online. All kinds of great stuff and big changes are coming. So stay tuned. Thanks again for listening and for your support and have a great rest of your day.